Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Good. I so appreciate you being here on this July Sunday. I trust everybody's having a good summer. I know that we are. We're blessed, and I love summer, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, I just wanted to encourage you this morning. God is doing so many amazing things uh, just right here at Tui Christian Fellowship. We've uh, water baptized teenagers. We've water baptized adults. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. We've had people receive healings. Uh, God is doing so many amazing things. I saw in the news this last week where the Pope was in, uh, I believe, South America in Ecuador, and uh, they did outside services, and there were 500,000 people in those services. They did them outside. And, you know, I'm not Catholic, but I know this. The Pope's not a Hindu. He's not a, he's not a Buddhist. He's not a Muslim. He's not a New Ager. Uh, he represents Jesus Christ. And people are hungry for God. People are hungry for the gospel. Amen? Uh, and so I saw that on the news. Uh, I read recently online that Muslims by the thousands are coming to Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Jesus has been supernaturally appearing in villages, obscure villages. I've heard story after story of Jesus appearing to people, <clears throat> and they're hearing the gospel, and they're making Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. God's moving on the earth. God's moving in people's lives. And it's amazing that we're alive right now. It's amazing what God's doing. Amen? Amen. Would y'all give the Lord a hand clap with me? <clears throat> Amen. You know, a lot of times we think maybe, I don't know what we think. We think maybe God's not doing anything, but he's doing amazing things. And uh, I hear all the time about people coming to Christ. Uh, we pray for people here all the time, and we have miracles. God's doing all kinds of things. Uh, I'm thankful for the rain. Uh, you know, we did the Water for Life. I talked to them this week, and they're so grateful that we helped, and they, and they sent us that picture that's out on the red desk. And uh, this, this past few weeks, uh, Kurt, Megan, and I and different family members, we've been out to Lake McKenzie. Uh, Lake McKenzie was almost completely dry. If you've been out there before, Kurt and Megan drove down the, uh, the ramp down to the beach. They drove all the way around that little point to the crappie house and up that ramp. That's how dry it was. That lake is up about 25 feet, 25 feet. Last year, uh, we would pray, and, uh, you know, we, we, it would rain. We'd call out to the lake and say, is the lake up? And they'd say, it's up two feet. We'd be so excited. And then she'd say, but it needs to come up 23 more. And I'd just hang my head. It was like, oh, my gosh. All right, now here's, here's what matters. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Okay, it's a miracle. That lake coming up is a miracle. People being saved is a miracle. People being water baptized is a miracle. People receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a miracle. People being healed is a miracle. And I want to encourage you this morning in your life, whatever it is you need from God, whatever you need in your family, God is in the miracle business, and he wants to meet your needs. So I want these stories to encourage you. I want you to think about Lake McKenzie and be encouraged that if God can do that, which he did, then he can move in your life also. Amen? Amen. Now, I started at the beginning of the summer series called Truth That Changed Our Life. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was a 12-year-old boy. I grew up. Vicki and I got married. We attended a service at the First Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas, over on Amarillo Boulevard. That's where my cousins went to church. And Vicki got up out of her chair, walked the aisle, and invited Jesus Christ into her heart as a young married girl. And we began our journey as Christians. And I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, and we decided that we were going to follow God. And along the way, we learned things 
that changed our lives. I talked to you a few weeks ago. The first thing that we learned is that we were the righteousness of God in Christ. It felt so good when we found out that God was not mad at us. I don't know about how you were raised or what kind of church you were raised in, but we found out that God wasn't mad at us. And it made such a difference in my prayer life. It made such a difference in my daily walk with God. When I received Jesus as my Savior, I found out God wasn't angry with me. He poured his wrath on Jesus at the cross. Amen? And so when I found that out, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm in right standing with God. It changed us as Christians. Then the next thing we learned was that about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, Paul met with some Christians, and he asked them, Hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, We didn't know there was any Holy Spirit. That's the way I was raised. I was raised in the Baptist church, and I thank God for it. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And Vicki and I went to a meeting at a Holiday Inn in Amarillo, Texas. I still remember the guy's name that preached. I can remember what he preached about, but more importantly, Importantly than that, after the service, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know not to believe in it. Didn't know to believe in it. I was just there, and they were putting people's head underwater, not literally, and I just said, hey, I believe I'll get some of that, and it changed our life. Here's what it did. It gave us the strength to live daily for Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's what I don't understand sometimes about people, the, the folks that have one foot in the world and one foot in church. You know those folks. It's not y'all, right? It's not us. Amen. You know, those folks that are on Facebook and they're, and they're putting pictures of their Friday night and Saturday night parties and then they're in church on Sunday. You see, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I left that lifestyle behind. I knew there wasn't any life there because I've been there and I've done that. And if you've been there and done it, you know too there's no life there. And it changed us. It transformed us. Uh, I could spend hours talking to you about it. Then the next thing I talked about was when we found out that our words have power. Listen, our words have power, okay? Our words are like seed. And when Vicki and I found that out, we begin to study the Scripture. And here's what we begin to do. We begin to say about ourselves what God was saying about us. What does that mean? Well, we begin to find the promises in God's Word, and we begin to take a hold of those promises. We stop believing the lie that for some reason those promises weren't for us, and we decided that we wanted to have those promises, and we begin to say what God's word said about us. We stopped saying what our mamas were saying. We stopped saying what our families were saying. We stopped saying what maybe the coach said about us or maybe a teacher said about us or maybe a boss said about us or maybe even what we said about ourselves because, you know, you can be pretty hard on yourself. And here's what we did. We began to say what God's word said about us. And one of the things that we found out was in Philippians, my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My father has enough to take care of us. So no matter what our checkbook looked like, no matter what our bank account looked like, uh, you know, when Vicki and I were young married, we'd cash a check for $10, $10. We'd cash a check for $10. And then that $10 had to go a certain amount. But we begin to say, God is taking care of us. God is meeting our needs. And listen, he has every day from that point forward. We found out our words have power. Your words have power. Your words set your mood in your home. Your words set your own attitude in your own heart and in your own mind. It does matter how you talk. It does matter what you say. And it begins to change our life. What I want to show you this morning is I want to talk to you about the integrity of God's Word. I want to talk to you about the power of the Bible and the integrity of God's Word. Here's what happened to us. We begin to build our life on the truth of the Scripture. 
what we started doing is when we had an answer, not an answer, when we had a question about something and we were looking for an answer, we started going to the Bible. We started going to the Word of God. Think about all the places we go in our life looking for answers. And I'm not saying they're bad places, but we began to go to the Word of God. And when we had a question about maybe parenting or we had a question about family or we had a question about work, we began to go to God's Word. And we began to build our life on the foundation of the Word of God. Let me read you some statements. Here's the first one. You can trust God's Word. You can trust it. You can build your life on God's Word, and you can trust it. You can bank on it, and you can build your life on it. Here's what amazes me about people. People build their lives on sand, and when the storm comes, they cry when life falls apart. What did Jesus say? Jesus said the storms are going to come in our life, and you have a choice to be a doer of the Word of God, build your life on God's Word, or build your life on something else, and something else is always sand. And I'm always amazed at people who choose to build on sand. They choose to build on their own ideas, their own opinions, their own values instead of God's Word. And then when the storm comes and they have hard times, they wonder why. So it began to change our life. Now, here's the word I used. I used the word integrity. Okay, I want to talk to you about the integrity of God's Word. Now, I just simply looked up the word integrity in Webster's Dictionary, and let me give you four words that it means. This is just the dictionary. It means truthful, it means trustworthy, it means sound, and it means whole. Truthful. All right, God's Word is true. I believe with all my heart that the Bible is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the truth. It is the truth. Now, here's what happens. If you decide, well, maybe there is truth in the Bible, but maybe not all of it's truth. Well, here's the only problem with that. Maybe then John 3, 16 is not true. Maybe Romans 10, 9, and 10 is not true. Okay, to me, either it's all true or none of it's true. I believe it's also the only book on the earth that is God-inspired and God-ordained. Right. I don't believe other religions' books. I don't believe other religions' holy writings are the Word of God. I believe there's only one Word of God, and it's the Bible. I believe there's only one Savior and one Redeemer, and it's Jesus Christ. We sang it this morning. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Either he's the truth, right? Either he's Lord, or he's a lunatic and he's a liar. He can't be both. Isn't that true? Jesus said that I'm the only way, and I'm the only truth. Yeah, I read all the time different articles about different religions. And you know what the rub in all other religions are? They don't like Jesus. Isn't that interesting? I read just yesterday about a religion, and I'm not even going to call the name of it. And they said the thing that they, the trouble they have with Christianity is that we Christians think the only way to heaven is Jesus. Well, Jesus said that, not us. Amen. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So integrity means truth. It means trustworthy. Listen, you can trust the Bible. You can build your life on God's word, God's promises, and God's truth, and you won't be sorry. Then the last two words is it's sound and it's whole. Uh, I read a couple of weeks ago an article where a group of young adults were at an apartment building that they lived in, and this apartment had several stories, and they had these little uh, patio decks built out off these apartments, and several young adults all went out onto this deck, and they were having some food and hanging out together, and what they didn't realize, though, is that they had too much weight on that little balcony, and it collapsed, and it fell, and they fell three or four stories, and several of them perished. 
Well, after it happened, they went back and they looked at the beams, and the beams weren't steel, they were wood. And they went back and found out that these beams had some water damage and that they were rotted. And when they got all this weight out on this, it collapsed and and they were killed because it wasn't what? It wasn't sound, right? When something's rotted, it's not sound. Okay, God's word is sound. You can build your life on the promises of God's word. It's sound and it's whole. Now, listen to me. Whatever it is you need in your life this morning, I'm grateful that you hear, and you can find it in the promises of God's Word. God's Word has the answers to life, to marriage, to parenting, to relationships, to work, to money, to health, to peace of mind, to strength. Whatever it is you need this morning, I'm telling you, you can find in God's Word. Now, I want to take a few minutes, and I want to read some scriptures to you this morning about God's Word, verses that talk about what God's Word says. The first one I want to read is Psalms 119.89. Psalms 119.89. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I want you to see two things. First off, the word forever. Listen, God's word will not fail you, and it will never go away. When you and I get to heaven and all things are made right, God's word will still endure. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God has established and settled his word. It is a rock-solid foundation, and you can build your life on it. Let me show you the next verse. I'm going to go to Rep, no, Romans. Yeah, Romans 15. Romans 15. Verses 4. Listen to what this says. It says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That's talking about the Bible. Why was the Bible written, Pastor? First off, it was written for us to learn. It was written so we could learn about God and we could de- develop a relationship with God. You see, God reveals Himself to us through His written Word. So it was written for you and I to learn. Listen to the next thing it says that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. Man, I love that. Listen to what that says. It says that the Scripture will give you patience and the Scripture will give you comfort. Can I encourage you this morning? When you need patience in your life, where do you go? When you need comfort in your life, when things aren't going right, when things aren't going good, maybe there's trouble at work or there's hard times at home or maybe the checkbook's a little thin, where do you go for comfort? Well, the Bible says if you'll read the Scripture, it will comfort you. It'll give you patience and it'll give you comfort. Then the last thing I love is it says the Scripture will give you hope. Man, I don't know about you, but I love hope. I need hope. We need hope. Amen? I mean, you watch a little news, you get on and listen to a little of that, and folks, we need hope. When you read the Scripture, it'll give you patience, and it'll give you hope, and it'll give you comfort. You can build your life on the Scripture. Can I encourage you when things aren't good? And I say this all the time. Listen, folks, when things aren't going good, don't run from church. Run to church. When you get up and have your worst day and you think, my Lord, I don't want to see Rusty and listen to him today, that's the day you should run here. Amen? Because it'll give you comfort and it'll give you hope. Let me give you another verse. I want to read Deuteronomy 8, 3. Now, let me set this up for you. The children of Israel have gotten out of Egypt And they're in the wilderness, and God is supernaturally feeding them with manna. I like to call it angel's food. It was some type of bread substance that fell from heaven, and they would gather it, and they would eat it. Listen to what the Scripture says. It says, So he, God, humbled you, 
allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. In other words, they'd never seen it before. That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil? And the devil said, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you take that stone and turn it into bread? And what did Jesus say? Jesus quoted this verse to the devil. Right There's a little nugget right there. You know, if you want to get the devil off your back, use the word on him. Jesus used the word on him. You can use the word on him. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I'm not preaching on that scripture, but I'd like to just throw one more nugget at, at you. The devil and Jesus knew each other. They weren't strangers. So when they were in the wilderness, they knew each other. And when the devil said, hey, make that into bread, Jesus said, no, I don't have to because the word of God's going to feed me. Now, listen, you're looking at a man that's never found a biscuit he didn't like. Amen? I'm the kid, I'm the kid that likes school lunches. <clears throat> Man, I can down that school lunch, right? I like school lunches. I mean, if you sat by me, I would eat mine, and if you didn't eat yours, I'd eat yours. And then if the next guy over here didn't eat his, I'd eat his. I, I mean, I like them school lunches. I love those cafeteria ladies. Man, I love that food. Listen, I like to eat. Uh, yesterday, Vicky was preparing lunch, getting, getting ready for today, and getting her stuff together, and I said, hey, what's for dessert today? And she said, oh, we're having ice cream. Well, I immediately went to the freezer to make sure we had enough. Okay, I'm, I'm picking up to see how much they weigh because Arthur and Kurt are going to be there. So we got to have plenty of ice cream, right? I want to make sure I get enough. Okay, I like to eat. I know probably every one of you do. But the Scripture says don't just eat food, eat the Word of God. And I talked to you several weeks about it. Don't read the Word, feed on the Word. Don't read the Word, feed on the Word. Read your Bible like you're feeding on it. And what do we find out? That it's like living water. It washes over you like a holy bath almost. And it'll bring peace to your mind. It'll heal your body. It'll give you hope. The Scriptures, it'll give you patience. It'll give you joy. Listen, you can build your life on the Word of God. Let me give you another verse. I want to go to Psalms 119.103. Psalms 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, <clears throat> sweeter than honey to my mouth. I love that. The Bible is sweet like honey. Now listen, we all have an enemy. He's called the devil. And he's an equal opportunity hater. Amen? He hates every one of you. He hates your granny. He hates your mama. He hates your dog. He hates your marriage. He hates you. And you know what he's been doing? He's been telling you, oh, you don't need to read the Bible. You don't understand it anyway. That book's old and outdated and it was written by old men a long time ago and don't waste your time reading that. You know why? Because he knows if you do, it'll change you. That scripture right there says it's sweet like honey. It's like eating honeycomb. It's like eating honey. Listen, when you read the word of God, God will take his Holy Spirit and he'll make it sweet to your soul. All right, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy. Listen, when you read the scripture, you know what happens? Peace and joy begin to flow in your spirit. And you begin to recognize what I've already taught on righteousness. That, hey, I'm in right standing with God. Listen, God doesn't love me because I'm good. He loves me because he's good. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. If you know Jesus as your savior, God loves you. And when you feed on the word, you'll start having peace. Listen, I know you know it. Peace is priceless. Oh, it's priceless. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you own. If you don't have any peace, life's not good. So his word will give you peace. Let me give you one more scripture. 
One more scripture, 1 Peter 2, 2. Excuse me. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, here's what I love about that verse. First off, it doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord. See, a lot of times if you're a young Christian, you think, well, pastor, I don't understand the Bible. Listen, it's not about understanding it. You begin to read it, and God, by His Spirit, will feed you the sincere milk of the Word. And that scripture right there says you will grow. You will grow. Now, here's what happens. You start out as a baby. You begin to feed on that milk. You begin to feed on the Word. And pretty soon, you're eating T-bone steak and baked potato and having cherry cobbler. You will grow spiritually, and you'll begin to change spiritually by feeding on the Word of God. Now, here's what I'm saying this morning. Anytime you're faced with a decision in your life, Always ask yourself, well, what does the Bible say? I was visiting with a man not very long ago, and he came up to me and he said, hey, pastor. He said, does the Bible have anything to say about global warming? He said, I was talking to my daughter, and we were talking about global warming, and, and she's for global warming, and I'm really not for it, and I didn't know if the Bible had anything to say about it. All right, I love that. I love that. See, anytime you face something, anytime you hear something on the news, anytime you have a question about something, always ask yourself, Hey, wonder what God's Word says. Then you decide to choose God's Word. So here's what I told him. I said, I know of two places in the Bible that talk about global warming. The first is in Psalms. It says that as long, I, I, I might be, I'm, I'm sorry, let me back up. It's not Psalms, it's Genesis. Okay, it's Genesis. It says as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. What does that mean? Well, there's not going to be nuclear winter. There's not going to be a zombie apocalypse. Right? Those of you that are waiting for the zombie apocalypse, I'm sorry, okay? Right? Because the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. All right, there's another verse. In Psalms, it says that God placed the oceans where they are and told them to stay there. God established the border of the waters of the ocean. What does that mean? That means that New York City is not going to be swallowed up because all the icebergs are going to melt. It doesn't mean that L.A. is going to be swallowed up because of the icebergs. Now, some of you may want L.A. to be swallowed up, okay? But it isn't going to be, amen? We, we love Los Angeles. California's nice, right? No, no, yes, it's beautiful. I've been to San Diego. It's amazing. Come on, y'all. I still love Texas. It's all right. All right, but what's the point? The point is, is you don't have to worry about that stuff because God's word has an answer. You know why the ocean's where it is? Because God said, hey, I want you to come right there and don't go any further. He created the tides. He created the cycles. And he designed it the way it is. And we're not big enough to turn it into something else. Amen? All right, let me read you some thoughts this morning. God's word needs to be the final authority in your life. When Vicki and I were young married, there was a very popular child psychologist named Dr. Spock. And he had written several books on family and on parenting. And he was embraced by our culture. Very popular, very well known. He was on television and radio. He wrote books. The books were very popular. And young couples were buying his books and reading about parenting and learning some things from him. But here's what we found out. When we began to read his material, it was contrary to to what God's word was saying. He was saying some things about the Bible that the Bible was old and outdated and that we didn't need to use those principles as a parent anymore. We needed to do his modern new ideas. Well, we decided that we were gonna choose the word of God. 
So no matter what you read or what you go to, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you always ask yourself, what does the Bible say? And choose it first. Listen, your attitude toward the Bible reflects your level of spiritual maturity. You want to build your life on the Bible. You want it to be, if you will, the foundation of your life. There's a voice behind God's Word that gives us an answer to every situation. Now, here's what's amazing. If you'll take time to read your Bible, take time to study your Bible, put it in a place of priority in your life. Decide, hey, whenever I have a question about something, I'm going to go to the Word of God. Here's what happens to you. You begin to hear God better and easier. Because see, if you put Scripture in your heart, the Bible says to hide the Word in your heart, then you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will take that Word and He'll bring it to your remembrance, right? And he'll help you with any situation that you have. He'll lead you and he'll guide you because he speaks to us through his word. So if you don't have the word in your heart, then he can't speak to you. Let me give you an example. Okay, yesterday, Vicki and I had to go do for kids' sake. That's our monthly class that we teach on parenting. And it's in Plainview. We left our house at 7 o'clock yesterday morning and we're driving to Plainview. And when we get into Plainview, my wife says, hey, you need to get off on this exit. And I thought, I know where to get off. I've been to Plainview a million times. Then I said, I know where to get off. I've been to Plainview a million times. I'm not an idiot. And I started acting stupid. Yeah, I'm just telling you, right. I got mad because she's trying to tell me what to do. How dare that woman try to boss me, right? Now, listen to me. One of the verses that I learned early in my Christian walk is in James. And it says this, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means when Rusty's mad, God's not moving. Right? When when I get ticked off, when I blow my cool, when I get upset about something, God's not moving. So we're in the car. I get off on the exit, and I'm mad at Vicky, and I let her know that I'm mad at her. And I know how to drive. I know where to go. I know where to get off. I don't need you to tell me which way to go. So then we drive in silence to where we're going to do the class, and we haul everything in, and we're setting everything up, and I hear this in my heart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know that the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. Yes, sir, I do. Uh, You need to go apologize. Oh. Don't you hate it when God tells you stuff like that, right? I'm like, Lord, I'm within my rights. I don't need to go apologize. I don't need to. He's like, okay, don't. Well, I know I have to. So I go find her, and we're in this building, and I say, honey, I'm sorry. I know that you're trying to help me. That's what else the Scripture says. You see, the Bible says that God gave me Vicky as a helpmeet. The original word, that's a terrible description. It means life giver. It means life sustainer. You see, God gave me Vicky. The Bible says that when you find a wife, you find a good thing. And he gave her to me because he knew a lot of times I wouldn't listen to him. And so he gave her to remind me of what God was saying. All right, now listen, I got two choices. I can either go to God and say, hey, God, you're right, I'm sorry. And I can go to her and repent or I can decide to do my own thing. But I went to her and I said, honey, you're right. God sent you into my life to help me and I'm sorry. I know it. You know, you can at least be a little kinder, right? I mean, come on. Come on. Well, she was right and I was wrong. 
And I apologized, and I asked her to forgive me. Now, you know why that happened? It happened because I knew that Scripture, and the Holy Spirit used it to set a standard in my life. Now, let me talk to you about one more thing with the time that I've got left. I want to talk to you about iniquity in your family. Okay, what does that mean? All an iniquity is is this. Anytime you choose to do something contrary to what the Scripture says, in other words, you do your own thing. You don't do what God says. That's an iniquity. Now, listen. Iniquities aren't weird. They're not spooky. There's nothing like that. All an iniquity is is you know what God's Word says, but you choose to do your own thing instead. Here's what happens. Then it creates brokenness in your family. Then you pass that brokenness to your children. And if they don't change, they pass it to their children. And it's called an iniquity. That's a biblical word. Now listen to me very carefully. The Holy Spirit spoke to me yesterday and he said, you know what, you're wrong. And you need to go repent. Okay, I've got two choices. I either obey God and go to my wife and say I'm sorry, or I bow up. And I say, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I didn't do nothing wrong. And I'm not repenting. And I'm not asking for forgiveness. That becomes an iniquity. Now, I'm not saying every time you sin, there's a danger of an iniquity in your life. I'm talking about something that you do over and over. Let me give you an example in my family. My grandfather, my mom's dad, my papa, love him with all my heart. I can't wait to see him in heaven. He was such a positive influence in my life. But he was famous for one thing. When he got mad at you, he stayed mad at you. And my family even talked about it, and they were even proud of it. Man, when Papa's mad, he don't quit. He don't let go. He don't give up. He was in some business dealings one time with some men, and it didn't turn out, and he felt like he got cheated. And he stayed mad at those men literally for years. Now, listen to me. That's an iniquity. You see, you choose to not let go. Now, what's the Scripture say? The Bible says, I've been forgiven a debt that I could not pay. And I'm responsible to forgive you any debt you have against me. Isn't that what the Scripture says? But see, instead of him choosing that, he chose to stay angry. Then here's what happens. Your children, your grandchildren learn from watching you. Oh, man, the way we deal with things is we stay mad. And see, that becomes an iniquity. Let me give you another example. Maybe you play games in your family, and I don't mean croquet. I mean when you're mad at each other, uh, you give each other the silent treatment, and you don't talk for two weeks. Well, when the Bible says very plainly not to do that, that's an iniquity. Your children learn from it. They carry it into their family. If they don't change, their children learn from it. And it goes from generation to generation to generation to generation. Now, listen to me very carefully. It's very easy to break iniquities. You only have to do two things. Repent and change. That's all you got to do. When you know in your life you're doing something contrary to the Word of God. You see, I knew yesterday that I needed to repent and say I'm sorry. If I chose not to, then that creates that iniquity in my life. If you've got something in your family that you've done for generations, something that's been passed down, maybe it's anger, maybe it's rage, maybe it's the silent treatment, maybe it's money where you don't, you're not a giver. And you don't give very well. And you're, very, you're tight with your money. There, it can be anything. All you have to do is this. Find the promise in the word of God and say, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry that I didn't do what your word says. And I'm going to change. And that iniquity is broken off your family instantly. I'm amazed at Christians who won't do what God's word says. And they choose to do it their own way. I'm amazed in parenting. 
right? Parents who won't parent. The Bible says that if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. You hate them. Oh, I don't hate little monster baby boy. I love him. I love him. I love him too much to discipline him. No, the Bible says you hate him. All right, so all I'm saying is, is you can build your life on the Word of God. Go to the Bible. Now, let me tell you one more thing, and we're going to close. If you need help finding something, call me. I'll help you. But if you've got a smartphone, if you have a computer, if you have an iPad, let's say you have anger in your family, and you've had it for generations. All you have to do is pull up anger in the Bible. Let's say you've always had money problems in your family, and your family's always been in debt and always been broke, and you don't know what you're going to do. Pull up money in the Bible. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, go to God's Word, and you can find out what God's Word says, and then you begin to build your life on those promises. And listen to me, it's changed our life. It has changed our life because we chose God's Word over our own opinion or over Grandma's opinion or over Mom's opinion. Listen, we chose God and His Word, and it'll change your life. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Praise God. Father, I love you this morning. I'm so incredibly thankful for your word. I'm thankful that your word is truth. It's trustworthy. It's sound and it's whole. I'm thankful, Father. Lord, would you show us how to build our lives on Scripture? And that we're not wishy-washy and we don't build it on the news or on what they're saying here or there or what family says or what grandma says, but that we always go to the Scripture. Lord, would you help us to learn to say Well, what does the Bible say about that? What does Scripture say? And that you'd show us how to walk in your word. You'd show us how to build our lives on the promises of Scripture. And then when the storms do come, our house will stand. Father God, I'm thankful for it. I pray your blessing and your strength over each one of us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you. Y'all go and be blessed. Have a great rest of your weekend.